Welcome to the Doer Series, a science-based guide to overcoming procrastination for good. I'm Dr. Jordan Gabriels, here to guide you on your journey to understand more deeply why you procrastinate and to develop the skills necessary to overcome it. The content in this series is adapted from the Doer mobile app. The app provides a straightforward program to help you put into practice the skills you will acquire from these episodes. So, to get the full experience, download the Doer app, which is linked in the podcast description. Now, without further ado, let's dive into the lesson. Welcome to lesson three. Let me congratulate you on having the courage and perseverance to dig into deeper explanations for your procrastination. By now, you should be starting to realize that there's a lot more to procrastination than laziness or poor time management. To recap what we've learned so far, we all have unhelpful core beliefs that we've picked up throughout our lives. It's those unhelpful beliefs that make us feel uncomfortable about doing certain tasks. To cope with that discomfort, we procrastinate. In the short term, procrastination serves to remove fleeting moments of discomfort. In this lesson, we're going to build on what you've learned so far by exploring the final variable in the procrastination reinforcement loop. By the end of this lesson, you'll have a much deeper understanding of why your procrastination persists over time. Today, we're going to answer a simple question. Over the long run, why do we keep procrastinating? The answer is something psychologists call reinforcement factors. Reinforcement factors are the outcomes or consequences of a behavior that make us do it more frequently. They're called reinforcement factors because they serve to reinforce the behaviors they follow. Procrastinating an important task has a bunch of different outcomes. Some of them are positive, like finding amusing videos while scrolling social media, while others are negative, like the feeling of guilt or shame that builds up when we're putting off a task. Basically, positive outcomes are the things that make us feel better, and negative outcomes are the things that make us feel worse. As you'll learn, it's those positive and negative outcomes that keep us procrastinating in the long run. In order to change your procrastination habit, it's essential to understand your reinforcement factors. We'll start by looking at the positive outcomes of procrastination that reinforce the habit. When we're procrastinating, one of the common positive outcomes is a feeling of amusement. Have you ever found yourself drifting off task and then stumbling across something like this? I put 100 people inside of a giant circle, and whoever leaves the circle last wins $500,000. But if you touch the red line, it's game over. I don't care how long this takes, whichever one of you leaves last wins half a million dollars. That's Mr. Beast. He's the most popular YouTuber in the world. His videos have over a billion views. Many of those views have come from people procrastinating an important task. And it's no surprise, his videos are extremely entertaining. Our brains are constantly seeking out the most pleasurable activities. 
Every time we feel a spark of amusement when we're watching a video or scrolling social media, our brains take note of the source and seek it out again. That feeling of amusement is one of the reinforcement factors that keep us procrastinating. Psychologists have advanced our understanding of this process by closely studying the behaviour of rats and other animals. That work was pioneered by this man. By the experimental analysis of the role of the environment, we are discovering new kinds of self-observation, new kinds of self-knowledge. That's B.F. Skinner. He's famous for pioneering a field of psychology now called behaviorism. Skinner discovered that you could manipulate the behavior of different animals, including humans, by subtly changing the consequences of their actions. In the 1930s, he designed a now famous experiment. He showed that you could train rats to do just about anything by manipulating the consequences of their actions. He did this by placing a hungry rat inside of a small rectangular box. Here is one of the experimenters describing the special design of the box. At the outside end of each compartment is a food delivery apparatus. This consists of a stirrup-shaped bar placed above a food dish. Pressing the bar delivers a small pellet of food into the dish immediately below. This is from an old black and white video demonstrating the experiment. The experimenter goes on to place a small white rat into one of the boxes he was describing. After being put in an unfamiliar environment, both animals are active. You can see a little rat scurry around the box, exploring each corner. He approaches the food device, stands up near the bar, presses it, but since he does not see the pellet and the food cup, he is not rewarded. Now he finds the pellet and is rewarded for approaching the food cup. From now on, he confines more of his activity to the region of the food dish. You see the rat sniffing around the food dispenser, presumably trying to find more food. Eventually, he hits the jackpot. At last, he hits the bar and gets an immediate reward. Has he learned? Will it take him as long to press the bar the next time? Although the animal still makes quite a few irrelevant responses, he presses the bar much sooner the second time. The occurrence of a single reward has strengthened the tendency to make the response of pressing the bar. Watch him go around the side of the bar again. This response gradually wins out because it is rewarded the fastest and with the least effort. You can see that the rat just keeps pressing the bar, eating as much food as it possibly can. That simple experiment teaches us a lot about the behavior of humans. Our behavior is not too different from a hungry rat in a box. However, Rather than pressing a bar that dispenses food, we scroll through social media feeds that dispense amusement. Every now and then, we find something amusing or exciting. When we do, our brain learns to keep doing the activity that led to the feeling. Before we know it, just like a rat pressing a bar, we find ourselves constantly scrolling on our phones, searching for amusement. Much of the time, we aren't aware we are doing it. The behavior just becomes automatic. That feeling of amusement is a powerful reinforcement factor. It makes us much more likely to procrastinate in the future because our brain is hooked on the reward from our phones.
Skinner's research revealed another positive outcome that is an even more powerful reinforcement factor than the ones we've looked at so far. Here is the experimenter explaining that discovery. With this device, we can put a mild electric shock on the grid on which the rat stands. The shock is adjusted to be annoying, but not painful. Shock is on. Shock is off. Pressing the stirrup bar turns off the shock. Although the shock is not strong, you will see that it supplies enough drive to produce a radical change in the behavior of the satiated rat. In the video, you can see the rat jumping around the box. He hits the bar, the shock goes off, and he's rewarded. The mild electric shock is a powerful motivator that can be used to train the rat to do all sorts of things. Again, a mild electric shock can be administered through the grid on the floor of the apparatus. This time, it can only be turned off by rotating a wheel. As soon as the wheel is moved, the shock goes off and stays off till the next trial. Just as in the preceding demonstration, the satiated animal starts responding as soon as a drive is supplied. You can see the rat quickly learns to jump up and spin a wheel placed on the wall of the box, and that turns off the electric shock. The behavior of the animal has been radically changed by this training. Even though the shock is no longer being administered, the rat continues to spin the wheel. The rat's anxious anticipation drives it to endlessly spin the wheel. The behavior of the rat perfectly mirrors what happens in the mind of a chronic procrastinator. The mild electric shocks that motivate the rat to spin the wheel are similar to the momentary flashes of discomfort we feel when we approach a difficult task. When we think about certain tasks, we feel things like boredom, overwhelm, stress or inadequacy. Each of those sensations are like a mild electric shock. As soon as we feel the discomfort, we start searching for an escape. Switching tasks to something more comfortable, like responding to a message, provides instant relief. Our brain quickly learns that this is an effective strategy for avoiding discomfort. So just as the rat endlessly spins the wheel out of fear, we learn that in order to keep discomfort at bay, we have to keep ourselves busy, checking our phones, replying to emails, and watching Netflix. To recap, you can see that there are immediate benefits when we procrastinate. When we procrastinate, we often find amusement and avoid discomfort. However, as well as positive outcomes, there are also negative outcomes that keep us procrastinating. That is what we're going to look at now. We surveyed over 300 chronic procrastinators and asked them what were the biggest negative consequences of procrastination. The two most common responses point to two powerful reinforcement factors that keep people procrastinating. Starting with the second most common negative outcome, people said that procrastinating important tasks meant that they were not able to achieve goals or targets they set for themselves. Paradoxically, that can lead to even more procrastination. That's because the more you put something off, the more tasks pile up around you. As things pile up, pressure starts to mount, which creates a feeling of overwhelm. When everything becomes too much, you want to escape, motivating you to procrastinate even more. 
That leads to the most common negative outcome, people said. Drum roll, please. People said the most common negative outcome of procrastination was increased stress and reduced self-esteem. When procrastinating, they felt pretty intense guilt. They felt ashamed of their actions. That feeling of guilt and shame leads to another negative outcome of procrastinating that keeps us stuck in the loop. When we realise we've been procrastinating and that feeling of guilt sets in, we start beating ourselves up. We say things to ourselves like, you're so lazy, pull yourself together and get started. The intention of doing this is to motivate yourself into action. It's like a tough love approach. But this generally backfires. When you chastise yourself, you build up more pressure, which makes you want to avoid the task even more. So to recap everything we've covered so far, reinforcement factors are the outcomes of procrastination that make us more likely to do it in the future. There are positive outcomes like finding amusement and relieving discomfort, as well as negative outcomes like mounting pressure and backfiring self-criticism. Understanding your own reinforcement factors is the final piece in the puzzle that is your procrastination. The better you are at noticing your own reinforcement factors, the easier it will be to manipulate them to help you do things you actually want to do. This unit is designed to help you do that. By the end of the unit, you will have a clear picture of the reinforcement factors that keep you procrastinating so that you can start to change them. This is the final unit of reflection. After this unit, you'll move from reflecting to acting as you begin to learn the practical strategies to overcome procrastination. So I wish you all the best and I'll catch you in the next lesson. I hope today's lesson resonated with you. For the full experience and for additional tools, make sure to download the Doer mobile app. It's designed to support your journey every step of the way. Find the link in the podcast description.